What's up, everybody, and welcome in. Good Karma Wrestling, Jonathan Hood with you. I let you know that on Saturday, April 1st, Sunday, April 2nd, not just one, but two special GKW shows as we get ready for WrestleMania from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Don't forget, you can watch our shows on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Good Karma Wrestling as well is on YouTube. Look for Good Karma Wrestling there as well. We want to continue to keep our subscriptions up because we are on a roll on GKW. And so this podcast is to remind you, hey, just make sure that you tell people to listen to the best in wrestling conversation with Brian, Gabe, and yours truly, Jay Hood. And this podcast also is to let you know that I will review... What happened in Los Angeles on the campus of USC as Ring of Honor had their big show, Supercard of Honor. So let's talk about that show. So I watched that as someone who is part of the Honor Club now. I couldn't help it. I just had these flashbacks of me being from Chicago, being from the Midwest, going to numerous ROH shows. It was a pleasure to watch the best of the super indies, is what I would call it, because you had terrific talent there. They're on their way to WCW, to ECW, to the WWE at the time. And I was just enamored by just some of the action that I would see for not necessarily a big ticket price, cheap price, get yourself some beer and just watch the next generation of wrestlers perform at Ring of Honor. And I see this a lot. In the early 2000s. So here we are, fast forward to 2023. And I don't know the official gate, but apparently from Tony Khan's press conference uh, that ROH did really well uh, at the Galen Center for this show. Let's review. So let me start at the top with Claudio Castagnoli, the ROH world champion against Eddie Kingston. What I really liked about this is the buildup for this matchup. I thought that Claudio would win, sure, but I think that the buildup of real animosity with Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castagnoli through the Indies and Claudio's real feeling about, hey, you know what, Eddie, if you just come to the gym with me, we can work out, you know, we can turn your career around, all this, and Eddie would refuse. I'm not going to the gym. I am what I am. Don't try to change me. And Claudio went on from Ring of Honor, internationally wrestling, to the WWE. Whatever you think of his WWE run, he got there. Eddie Kingston has not been there wrestling. And so have Claudio looking at Eddie Kingston across the ring. There's some real issues. There's some real feelings. And as the late Jerry Jarrett said, real issues make money. And so there you are. Top of the card, Eddie Kingston against Claudio. I thought it was a fantastic match because of the backstory between these two. But also just Eddie Kingston was had a lot of near falls really close to being the ROH champion. And Claudio Castagnoli, I mean, he just continues to tell a story. I already knew that he was great as a tag team wrestler and as a singles back in his first time with ROH, but he's really grown into this ROH World Championship feel. He looks like a leader. I don't think that Vince in the WWE looked at him as a locker room leader or someone that could be the guy. Claudio is the guy for ROH and very believable as a champion. Saw his press conference as well. You know, very um, very terse, 
sometimes giving you some, some what is on his mind, but you can just tell his wheels are, are thinking, like, how do I continue to grow into this role as heavyweight champion? He fits the mold, that's for sure. But I really like this matchup a lot between Claudio and Eddie Kingston. So we get to Athena against uh, Yuka Sakazaki, the ROH Women's World Championship. Athena has really grown. We talk about Claudio, right? Athena has really grown. Someone that we always saw as a baby face back in her days in the WWE. She was on the Indies for 10 years, plying her craft. I watch her now in ROH, and man, she is it. She is every bit of a heel, and she worked aggressively against Yuka. I really like this matchup a lot. Hope that we get to see this matchup again. But I, just the things that we saw from Athena in this matchup made me think, man, she, when she says I'm not giving up this championship anytime soon, I think that uh, she really believes that. <laughs> and I think I could believe it too, just based on how she was. Now, it's funny. She comes into AEW and she falls short in some matches. And it's like, okay, she's kind of spinning her wheels. But this is why this brand works. Because... If you're not getting over or if you're not getting time in AEW, you go to ROH and now you get time to work on that honor club and maybe ROH will do some house shows down the line. But the point is, though, is you get plenty of TV time. You're on that honor club. You get these big events like this. And Athena looked really good in this matchup. Believable champion, just like Claudio Castagnoli, which is the theme of this podcast. So the ROH television championship. Talk about believable. Samoa Joe. The night before, my man is dancing at Wale Mania, and he's rapping at Wale Mania. He is very um, charismatic. I like Samoa Joe and always have for a long time. Watched him early in his career, watched him at TNA. And Samoa Joe, as a ROH television champion, you could tell that there is just different levels. I say this all the time when we do our podcasts about how wrestlers just need to have a different level. What's I mean, we could see the basics. But do you have a different level that we could see? And when I see Samoa Joe, when he's in trouble and he starts to rally, you can start to see it in his eyes, just in his motions. Everything is just turned up a little bit louder, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more bloodthirsty. And I like that. And he takes on his friend, Mark Briscoe. And, of course, Samoa Joe and the Briscoes came up pretty much in the business together. Mark Briscoe, from what I can understand, will not be vying for tag team championships anymore. And you can understand why. Mark Briscoe is, uh, lost his brother, Jay Briscoe, who was a tremendous wrestler. They were a great tag team. One of my top five tag teams of all time, the Briscoes. And so you can understand why Mark Briscoe wouldn't want to be in a tag team with someone else after his brother passed away. But he's going for that TV championship. And because of Briscoe's story... Because of everything he's gone through, losing his brother. After the match is over, after Samoa Joe wins, the crowd gives Mark Briscoe a standing ovation as he stands into the ring. And Mark Briscoe's family, his wife and his kids, and I think other relatives came to Los Angeles to watch him perform. And you see Mark just kind of breaking down and just embracing the love that was in the room for Mark Briscoe. I just thought that was really dope. That was really cool that Mark Briscoe was feeling that love. And I think that everywhere that he goes in wrestling, he's going to feel that. At least he should feel that. If you're a wrestling fan and you see Mark Briscoe on the card, give him a standing ovation. He lost his brother, tragically. 
And he's also given his blood, sweat, and tears to this business for a long time. So I really like that matchup as well. That was a solid match between Samoa Joe and Mark Briscoe. Shibata takes on Wheeler Yuta for the ROH Pure Championship. Wow. You know, I can admit to you I haven't seen a ton of Shibata. I've seen some on YouTube. But I don't know the the lineage of of Shibata and why he's so great. But I'm going to learn, as a wrestling fan, why Shibata is a top-tier talent and why he won the ROH Pure Championship. He takes on Wheeler Yuta. And Yuta has found his voice and found his way around the squared circle, just being around the Blackpool Combat Club. I like it. I like that aggressiveness from Yuta. But I think that what we saw from Shibata is that's a whole different level. That dude did that uh, that kick right to the head of Yuta. He put on some some holds, some moves that weakened Yuta. And you could just see that the lights were going out on Yuta as the match progressed and Shibata wins. Man, he's. I, I look forward to seeing more of Shibata uh, as he is now the ROH Pure Championship, but very, very good match there. The Embassy defeated AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. ROH Six Man Tag Team Championships. You know, two things stood out to me about this match. It was fine, but two things. One, Brian Cage got the victory. And we keep reading everything about Brian Cage and maybe Brian Cage will be leaving AEW slash ROH and going elsewhere. If he get the pinfall, what's up? Is he leaving or not? Makes me think that there's a deal in place for Brian Cage to stay. That's one of the biggest six-man tag team championship wrestlers I've ever seen. The three that they have at the embassy, those guys are hosses. I've seen six-man tag team champions before, like the Von Erichs and the Freebirds and... And Dusty Rose and the Road Warriors and you know teams of that ilk, but th- these three are pretty impressive. And one, the other guy that's impressive to me in the embassy is Khan. Khan, to me, every time I see him, he's getting better and better. He has a tremendous look to make me believe that he's going to have to branch off and be a singles wrestler slash champion at some point. I think he's that good. Um, I've seen him in the Indies. I've seen him work. Um, I think that Khan is should be a guy for the very, very near future for Tony Khan and Ring of Honor. You don't want to lose a talent like that, and that guy goes to someplace else, could go to New Japan or WWE, and all of a sudden he comes he turns into something. I think he has it. We just need to see more of him uh, at some point in Seals competition. How about this? So here in the Midwest, we've had some bad storms. Hurricanes, bad storms for sure. And um, so I'm watching this pay per view on Friday night. And right in the middle of the Reach for the Sky Tag Team Championship ladder match, the power goes out. <laughs> it did. It went out. The power went out. Right in the middle of the Lucha Brothers defeating the Kingdom, Aussie Open, Top Flight, Rouge, and Realistico. For the Reach for the Sky Tag Team Championship ladder match. It was a banger. It was one of the best matches on the on this card. I kind of think that Aussie Open should have won. I'm an Aussie Open fan. The way that they perform is so old school to me. Um, I just think that they are the future for tag team wrestling in North America. But they did not win this one. It was the Lucha Brothers. It seemed like they, they might have been the favorites for this. Especially with the show being in Los Angeles. 
but hats off to them because they are are fantastic. I still think that Ray Phoenix at some point is going to be a singles champion for Tony Khan. At least he should be. Lucha Brothers are a terrific act. Every time they come out, as soon as you hear their music, the crowd pops. They're into them. That's for sure. But let me just say something about Top Flight. So there's an injury situation that's happening here with one of the members of Top Flight. And but tell, stop me if you've heard this before, but there's an injury situation. And I just don't understand why these two always have to have a high risk. Now, I understand that the name of the show or the name of the act is Top Flight. I get it. But not to the point where it's a detriment to you and your career. I mean, Darius and Dante Martin are a tremendous tag team and very good individually. But they're always hurt because they take unnecessary risks. For Dante Martin to get hurt through those tables that were set up, they're just nonsense. Tables and ladders. Can I just tell you, I know Edge and Christian. You know Edge and Christian. I know the Dudley Boys or Team 3D. You know Team 3D. You know the Hardy Brothers or the Hardy Boys. I know the Hardy Boys. What we saw at that WrestleMania, that tables, ladders, and chairs, or whatever, I mean, for that era, it was just amazing for all of those gentlemen to be able to put on banger shows for us, high risk, crazy moves. But it's not for everybody. This is, yes, it's an ROH pay per view. I understand that. But here's the problem is that I still would have respected Top Flight if they hadn't tried that maneuver. If Dante didn't bust his leg trying to impress everybody. I always think when you have moves like this, what's next? See, back in the day with the, the TLC run of those guys I just mentioned, when there was a move, there was another move that was coming. There was another move that was coming. And I just think that for top flight, for a tag team that's been often injured, why risk your career with this nonsense? Why? For the shady $500 envelope at the end of the night? In the locker room, what's the point of that? I just, I just think that was just a needless risk, and we've heard high risk in wrestling for a long time. I was just disappointed that they had to do that because here's the thing about moves like that. Say, for instance, the move was executed by Dante Martin. Okay, so then I'm thinking, well, what's next? You hit the holy shit moment, and then what after that? Just you gotta think. Okay, both of us have been injured a lot. But do we have to have all these moves to be able to impress somebody? If you're still in the same part, put it this way. If you're in the same place on the card for Tony Khan as just an attraction, just a bunch of flippy guys, then maybe you should try to change your routine a little bit. Not whole, not wholesale changes, but hey, we're not going to bust our ass this much through ladders and tables to appease the fans. There's always time for that. I'm just disappointed the Martins are not going to be together again for a little bit because of the injury. Tanahashi against Daniel Garcia. This is the worst match on the card. You say, well, how could that be? You have Tanahashi as a Hall of Famer. You got Daniel Garcia. Well, this is how good the card was. If I had to pick one, this was the worst match because of how slow this match was. Now, I don't know if it was slow like this where Daniel Garcia is pretending like he's playing a guitar and 
you know, throws it into the crowd, pretends to throw it in the crowd, and then he dances on the stairs because he's a sports entertainer or whatever the gimmick is, whatever, right? I just think that uh, it started off a little slow. All the matches had a little bit of a little heat to it. I know that this was a last-second change for Tanahashi to step in there against Daniel Garcia. It just wasn't... It didn't start off well. I think yet in the middle to the end, it became a better match. But at the beginning, where like Garcia said, I'm a sports entertainer. And Tanahashi, of course, he's the ultimate babyface, so he's just taking a beating from Garcia. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I expect it better, quite frankly, from these two. But it was fine for what it was. It just was not as appealing as the other matches on the main card. And let me just tell you about the first match. I'm going to save the best for last. Vikingo and Commander. Triple-A Mega Championship. My friends, <laughs> this is Vikingo. So he wrestles Kenny Omega. He's on this show. He's on three or four other shows I saw online. I mean, while after he's done wrestling Commander, he's wrestling other people. This is a busy time for a lot of independent wrestlers, international wrestlers, wrestlers from North America. They're just trying to see how many shows they can be on for WrestleMania weekend, except for the WWE show, of course. But it's just, this match is so amazing to me. Amazing. Vikingo, is, is, he's doing moves I've never seen before. I've been watching wrestling since the 80s. Late 70s, 80s as a kid. I, I've never seen moves like this. There's a lot of guys that can do flips, a lot of guys that can do certain, you know, run or walk the ropes, all that, right? I've never seen anything like Vikingo. The angles, the way he's able to be on the second rope from the outside of the ring and be able to flip inside the ring or flip on top of a guy on a table. Those must have been uh, Mexican tables, by the way, the AAA uh, Mexican tables, because. The table that was laid out there did not break, so that was a sturdy table that was for that that was out there for a commander in that matchup. Boy, if you haven't seen this card, check it out because what we're seeing here is we're seeing how Tony Khan is lining up his veteran wrestlers and the up and coming young wrestlers for ROH. To me, it was worth getting Honor Club because I just want to see. What Claudio would look like as heavyweight champion. And my whole thought was, okay, before I buy this, how many ROH guys will be, or women, is going to be on the AEW shows? Not as much on Dynamite and Rampage. Not as much. So I think I'm seeing something pretty special here with this new look ROH. Uh, Nigel McGuinness doing color as a heel commentator. Eh, it's okay. He kept bringing up Brian Danielson as a clam digger, and I kept thinking, okay, is there heat there? Is there legit heat? Why does he keep going after Brian Danielson? Um, so I thought that it was good to hear him. I thought that he and uh, Mauro Ronaldo, um did a great job for NXT when he was doing commentary for NXT. Then his contract wasn't renewed with WWE. We hadn't heard from Nigel in a while. So his uh, analysis has always been solid. I uh, would prefer him to be more down the middle, but he's a little bit more of a heel uh, character uh, on the broadcast. But I, I just think that um, good to see him. Makes me wonder, why is Nigel in Ring of Honor? Will we see him on AWTV? Will he be the head of the Blackpool Combat Club? A lot of these questions are going through my mind. But the broadcast was solid. 
I thought that the matches were solid. I don't have a, an F match. I don't have a D match. I think that the best match on the card for me, boy, that it's hard pressed to follow by Kingo and Commander. Hard pressed to be able to find, to follow that, but. That was uh, one of my favorite matches on the card, if not my the favorite match. Samoa Joe and Mark Briscoe meant a lot. Athena, I thought was very good. Claudio and Eddie Kingston, I thought was very good as well. Uh, by the way, the afterbirth, after uh, Eddie Kingston was done, he, he grabs the mic. I'm thinking the pay-per-view is over. He, he grabs it and just starts swearing out of nowhere. Just starts swearing. And, you know, the director on the floor is like, hey, you got one minute. He says he didn't care about that. He just kept doing on and on. And, you know, says, well, MJF gets 30 minutes on TV. I just won five. He just kind of went off the rails. So, all in all, I thought it was a very good show. And I think the ROH is going places. That is for sure. Don't forget to keep supporting Good Karma Wrestling. We thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. Um, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. You can catch our show. And also YouTube, youtube.com. Check it out, uh, Good Karma Wrestling, as well as on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Good Karma Wrestling. As I leave you here on this special podcast about Ring of Honor, here's Tony Khan in this press conference answering some questions regarding the present and the future of Ring of Honor. Thanks for listening. Here's Tony Khan. A few more people have asked a question yet. New questions? <laughs> I'll I, I want to make sure people get them in, so I'll stick, stick with you. Hey, Tony, Graham Matthews with Bleacher Report. Uh, just talking about, you mentioned, you know, Ring of Honor TV. We're five episodes in now. Obviously very well received so far, as you mentioned. Uh, so far, it's been approximately two hours per episode. Is that something that you plan to stick to, or are you still experimenting with? Well, it's, it's great having the freedom. I think we've been able to deliver that. There's times where it might not be the right length, but that's the, the brilliance of having that creative freedom that I don't necessarily have when I have to deliver the exact same number of, of minutes and the same commercial breaks and the same length of break and the same spot and having to, well, I get to move the breaks around and the lengths of the breaks on TV, but you have to do those commercial breaks and there's no way around it. And it also changes things. And also I'm fixed length. Sometimes I can get an overrun. Can't always get an overrun. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people excited to watch AW all access after dynamite now too. So, uh, we have great things come on after the show. So you have to be sensitive to that. Now for ring of honor, uh, it's a very different set of constraints. So, I like the freedom and I think two hours has felt right for the shows, but there's other nights where it might not, it could be longer or shorter and that that's good too. And uh, that's one of the ways that ring of honor and the presentation is different from AEW. And I like that freedom. Thanks, man. Okay. You have a Phil and then Reg. Hi, Tony. Uh, Phil and the Bleacher Report. Um, we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of All In in September. Um, do you have any plans to commemorate the event or, you know, break of ROH event to now arena? Well, I've thought a lot about that. It's a great question. And now I have a lot more opportunity to do that. And I, I have thought about that. Now that I own Ring of Honor, I own that video footage, and that's a huge part of that library, and it was a great reason to make the acquisition. And so certainly something we can do, and I, I would consider that and have considered that. So um, it's, it's definitely a great question you asked, Phil. Thank you for asking about it. Uh, Righteous Ranch, Grab City Podcast. Uh, one, is the event tonight going to be on the three-month delay on Honor Club? Yep. 90 days. Yeah. 90 days, okay. Yep. And then... Two, uh, with 
Ring of Honor, and uh, I guess with AEW, you could say you've, we've seen a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say free agents, but like you've had uh, you know some partnerships. We've seen Bakinga, we've seen Commander, we've seen these wrestlers, and people get obsessed with you want wanting to sign everybody. Like as soon as they see a wrestler on TV, they're like, "When's Tony going to sign them? When are we going to see the All Elite graphic?" Do you does that cross your mind? Do you get hung up on these signings, or is, are you happy kind of sticking to? having people just kind of filtering in and out from all over the place. Well, it depends. It's a case-by-case basis. There's a lot of times where it makes sense to sign somebody. Uh, There's a variety of reasons why you may do something on a nightly basis or often through a relationship with another promotion. We have a lot of promotional partners we've done things with, sent wrestlers overseas to other companies and brought wrestlers in from other companies in both AEW and here in Ring of Honor. So I think it's definitely an appropriate thing to look at the look at the match, look at the wrestler on a case-by-case basis. There's some people we do want to sign. There's other people who we bring in from a partner. And part of what makes it a partnership is I'm not trying to always steal my partner's wrestlers. And I like, you know, having that. And they know that if somebody comes here, I'm not going to try and pressure them not to work their shows or to work mine instead of theirs because then people wouldn't want to partner with you if you're always uh, doing things behind their back. So it just depends on the situation. Um, And... It's a great question, though, and it, to your point, yeah, you do see that, but I think it's what's great. You know, when we started AEW and that before, long before I imagined I would ever own Ring of Honor, uh, I I had mentioned that one of the great things about the launch of AEW and now I think the prominence of ROH and myself being involved and maybe in some ways deeper free agent budget and more of a budget for the Ring of Honor show and the product than there has been in the past. I think it's great. What I kind of, one of my theories on that has been proven true is that when AEW launched, we would create the strongest free agent market there's been in wrestling in a long time. And I think you've seen a lot of those things and the events that have transpired in recent years have proven that that theory works and it's true. And... I believe that it's generated a lot of fan interest in wrestling in a good way. And, you know, and really good that there's that fans want to know what's going to happen and people being excited about that free agent market. That's part of sports. And people want their teams to sign favorite players and the wrestling promotion you're a fan of. If you want to see more of somebody, you want them to get signed. But there's also other ways that people make frequent appearances too. And there's a lot of AEW wrestlers who go do work certain shows overseas and they're not signed. We just do that on the relationship between the companies. So, like I said, it's a it's a case by case basis, but it's a great question. Thanks. 